I think Tevez going to Juventus, what, what a coup that was for me. I mean, on a head to head battle, Atletico Madrid can do uh, more damage to Barcelona than the other way around. Either he's really blind or he's fixing the match. I, I can't see it any other way. I'm, I'm trying to get Sir Bob on my side here by saying City will win the Premier League. It, it is an upset. You would expect Man United to go and win there. Over a billion dollars was paid in transfer fees uh, between the clubs in, in Europe. It's football. It's damn football. Like Ferguson said, football. Bloody marvelous. Yeah, well, the celebration was, I can't believe I just scored against Mexico. Uh, at one point, Parma, I think it's only like 224 players under contract. Bro, they're going to throw me out of here, fellas. You're going to get me arrested on your show. If you're a serious talent, you're going back and you're playing for Santos. You, you know, you're going back to, to play for, like, in Argentina for River Plate or Boca Juniors. Or you're going to Europe. He looked like the Ryan Giggs of old. He was more creative than any player on the pitch. Um, he made Matt look stupid. He made Rooney look silly. Now, the Premier League is what the most exciting league out there. I think it's probably the best marketed league without a question. When you look at the draw for the, the Champions League, you kind of say, well, all the pieces kind of fell into place for everybody except City. I am your host, Joe Ucello. Sir Bob, Mike Orr. My co-host, Rob Rojas. My trusted co-host, Ben the Machine. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 367 of Low Limit Football on this September 11th, 2022. I'm your host, Joe Ucello, and tonight we kick off year 10 with a look back at week one of the Champions League. The passing of Queen Elizabeth brings about cancellations of week seven in the Premier League. Domenico Tedesco is sacked at RB Leipzig this week and replaced by former Dortmund manager Marco Rosa, who then smashes his former team in his first manager match 3-0 over Dortmund. And as predicted on our Premier League preview, Thomas Tuchel is sacked at Chelsea after a disappointing Champions League performance. We'll discuss that the fallout, and much, much more with our very special guest, Theo Cardi from the From the Shed End podcast will be joining us in just a little bit. But first, let me get my co-host in here, Mr. Roberto Rojas. How's it going, my man? Very well, Joe. Very well. Obviously, you know, it's kind of a weird weekend without one of the major leagues happening in um, in, in soccer, obviously, in, in Europe. But that being said, there are still some great games. I think, obviously, you know, we're starting to get into how teams are really starting to set up after the transfer window closed. And, you know, certainly, again, like, you know, we're just gearing up straight to the World Cup, really, because that's kind of the big major event. We got some friendlies coming up, I think, in a couple of weeks where we see already some call ups. And, uh, yeah, it's I can't wait. It's, it's hard to believe that literally two months away from the biggest tournament in the world. Yeah, it's, it's right around the corner. I'm already starting to plan my vacation days from work. So, mm-hmm. um, all right, so let's, let's jump into it because we've got a pretty full show. Uh, we were, we were joined by Theo Cardi, uh, earlier to discuss everything going on at Chelsea. So we're going to save a lot of the Chelsea talk for that interview. Um, but we've got a great opening thoughts and, uh, you, my friend are responsible for trivia this week. I am. So sticking into the Champions League, obviously we needed to talk about Erling Holland because mm-hmm. he's hit 25 goals in 20 appearances, Joe. Can you believe it? Wow. That's a ratio of 1.25. So he's averaging more than a goal per game. Uh, so that's 
I think that's incredible, and I'm not going to be... I wouldn't be shocked, honestly, if he breaks Ronaldo's record of 140 goals and 183 appearances. Mm -hmm. That being said, with that 1.25 ratio, that is the highest of all-time top goal scorers in the Champions League European Cup era, all you could say. But who is second on that list among active players? Among active players. For the Um, highest goal-to-appearance ratio. Okay, I think I have... um... I think I have an answer. Uh, my one question to you is, when you say active players, meaning that they're just active or they're actually in the Champions League this season? Because that would eliminate somebody really quick. Uh, yeah, in the Champions League. In the Champions League. Okay. Yep. Got it. So, all right. We'll give you that answer. I, I have a name, so we'll give you that answer at the end of the show. Uh, opening thoughts. And opening thoughts leads right out of our great trivia question into discussing week one of the Champions League. Um, some interesting results uh, this this week in the Champions League. I think I'm not sure where you want to focus on first, but I think the shocking results. First of all, the Atletico Madrid Porto match was insane, nil uh, nil after 90 minutes, and the match finishes two one uh, with a Griezmann winner in that one uh, in the 11th minute of stoppage time, if I remember correctly, which is crazy. Uh, we saw Barcelona with a five one victory over Pilsen. That was kind of expected, but uh, the, the hat trick for Robert Lewandowski after Erling Holland's brace, uh, you know, in this round one as well, and I believe uh, Kylian Mbappe as well uh, with a brace there as well, um, you know, to have uh, Lewandowski kind of stake his claim back as one of the best goal scorers in the Champions League. We saw uh, injury come up uh, for um, Karim Benzema in Real Madrid's victory uh, in in their first round uh, matchup against Celtic. We saw Napoli absolutely smash Liverpool 4-1. Bayern Munich with a road victory at the San Siro with a 2-0 over um, Inter Milan. Uh, We saw Milan, AC Milan, uh, struggle to get a 1-1 draw against Salzburg, which was kind of shocking. PSG 2-1 at home over Juventus. um, A tale of two halves for Juve, uh, where they they were a much, much better side in the second half and and produced the goal from it. but many of the other results kind of went to form. So I want to throw it back at you. Just looking back on week one, what, what are your thoughts? Uh, did we learn anything? Um, you know, what, what, we, what did you think of week one so far? Well, I think you said it perfectly. I think we definitely saw some shocks galore, really, and, and obviously some kind of dramatic uh, victories for some teams. And, you know, I think, you know, it's it's always that kind of level of, you know, deceiving people, really, when it goes to the first part of the Champions League. Again, these teams have, what, six games that they have to play yeah. within each other or something? So, yeah, it's um, it's not exactly the end of the world or, or one to feel very much braggadocious about because you won your first game or you lost your first game. You know, groups are still obviously still up to play. Now, mind you, I think regardless of that Napoli win against Liverpool, I don't think that's going to affect Liverpool's chances of getting out of the group. It makes it more difficult, but I think it it still puts them in a good position to, to get out. Same thing for Chelsea. Same thing for Chelsea that lost against Zagreb. Um, you know, even even the whole even the PSG Juve game. Yes, I think that game in itself was very tight, and I think Juve have the opportunity now to really go and get a result against Benfica at the J Stadium this week. And honestly, I, I think usually these type of games are the ones where you kind of have to bounce back. And, you know, I think when you get to that middle section in October, for example, that's where you need to start to wrap things up and where you feel that you're in a 
in a more comfortable position to advance. But other than that, I think we definitely saw some results that definitely got some um, managerial stackings, and we're going to talk about that with our interview with Theo in a bit. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I think it's, it's been pretty fun, pretty fun. And, and I think as a neutral, you know, I'm not, I don't want to say this to you, Joe, as well, but uh, I think it's it's been interesting to see. But certainly next few weeks heading into, I think, October, um, the first few weeks of October, and then the last week on, of no, sorry, the first week of November would be the last group stage game right. is where the nitty gritty comes just, you know, right before the World Cup. Sure. You know, normally with, with Champions League, we get a little bit of a break. We'll get a couple matches and get a little bit of a break and a couple matches, a little bit of a break. Because of the scheduling of the World Cup, this is this is going to all come at us within, I think it's eight weeks um, total. There's going to be six matches in eight weeks, which is, uh, you know, pretty crazy. It's a pretty heavy lift for all these teams. Um, yeah, some of the some of the resulting things: Thomas Tuchel getting sacked at Chelsea, um, which, I guess, like I said, we're going to talk about in a bit. Um, and I think uh, Domenico Tedesco. I, I think losing four one to Shakhtar uh, yep. Donetsk, I think, was really the the linchpin there for him. And then Leipzig with a massive response uh, on the weekend against Dortmund. Um, you know, I, I, they look like a team that they they're ready to turn things around. Um, the way they showed up against Dortmund, Dortmund kind of scares me a little bit. I mean, yeah, they did win three nil against FC Copenhagen uh, in their first match in Group G. But uh, they were absolutely uninspiring against Leipzig on the weekend. So, you know, these are going to be... I think these are going to be the micro, the microwave stories. You know what I mean? Where they're going to be... These stories are going to be cooked up fast. What what are these teams' ambitions, right? Um, are they looking to stay strong domestically? Are they, are they kind of looking at this year as kind of a funky year because of the scheduling of the World Cup? Or are they going for it? Um, I mean, with a, with a team like Shakhtar, it's tough to predict. You know, I mean, this is a team really without a home right now because, they're, because of the war. Um, a massive performance. I, I, you and I, when we both talked, uh, you know, Champions League preview, we expected nothing out of Shakhtar. Um, having to play six road matches is what it amounts to because they're playing their home matches in Poland. Uh, but but obviously showing some intestinal fortitude with a 4-1 over RB Leipzig is just in, incredibly impressive. Um, you know, and, and staying in that group as well, Real Madrid now with the Karim Benzema injury, I believe it is a grade one hamstring. Um, correct me if I'm wrong on that, Roberto, but, I, you know, th- this is a, an injury that I think Real Madrid... Um, don't really have to worry about when we did our previews of, of the groups we thought for sure our, you know madrid would move through and then everyone else is going to fight for second and i think that's still going to hold true to form so um i think their their best focus is to get kareem benzema healthy um don't don't risk bringing him back too soon um i know i've seen a lot of uh injury talk from dr brar uh, rajpal brar who we've had on the show and um always when it comes down to the muscular injuries his biggest worry is them rushing somebody back too soon. Uh, he, he always makes mention of it, and, uh, and, and I think this is, this is no different um, for Karim Benzema. You know, looking around at some of the other, uh, some of the other matches, Tottenham with a 2-0. Um, that, was, uh, that was hard fought against Marseille at home at, um, you know, at the new White Hart Lane. Um, Marseille down to 10 men in that one as well. So you've got to ask yourself, you know, what's, how does Tottenham look in their next match? Um, I'm just looking now to see who it is against. Uh, uh, sporting. So that's going to be a challenge to have to go to Portugal for Tottenham Hotspur and, and figure that one out. Uh, that one's one of the first matches too coming up. So, you know, th- there's going to be some interesting storylines coming out of week two. I think after week two, they do get a break. I'm not 100% positive of that. I can check the schedule real quick. 
but um, and that's gonna that's gonna be uh, indicative of what these teams are are looking at. Um, yeah, there's gonna be a break, and then they come back on October fourth and October fifth. So, you know, where do we stand after two matches for a lot of these teams? Are they going to you know take charge of their group? I mean, Spurs for for all the struggle against Marseille um, are in a position to take a stranglehold on that group because you know, let's say a two nil victory over Sporting in Portugal. We'll put them top of Group D and and really in the driver's seat there. Uh, PSG uh, can can really obviously take a hold with a with their next match against Maccabi uh, Haifa, and then Juve can kind of you know stick their noses back into that race with a win over Benfica this week, um, which is kind of what Max Allegri said in one of those press conferences before the tournament kicked off. So there there are a couple of places, um, you know, City uh, super impressive four nil victory over Sevilla. Sevilla looked. Sevilla looked terrible, and and I think City, I don't think City have to worry about winning that group. Um, let, let's let's take two seconds and and talk about the last group, Group C: uh, Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Inter, and Pilsen. Pilsen unfortunately got smashed by Barca five one. Um, again, like I mentioned earlier, Robert Lewandowski with a hat trick in that one. But the the Bayern Munich um, Inter match was, to say the least, very interesting. Inter did not look as good as they as they needed to look. Um, again, only losing two nil, but losing two nil at the San Siro is going to be a tough one to swallow. Bayern now go to uh, go home to face Barcelona in what should absolutely be a cracker of a game. And you and I spoke about this when when Barca finished their transfer window and the whole financials and all the stuff was up in the air. We said, which Barcelona were we going to get? Were we going to get the disaster? Or were we going to get a, a really strong side that would challenge for these, you know, for the La Liga spots, for the Champions League spots? You know, which Barca were we looking at? And it looks like we got the the second one, the the challenging Barca, not not the um, the broke Barca. So, your thoughts on this match coming up? It's going to be one of our matches of the week to look out for this week. But what's your thoughts on Barca's, you know, open so far, given all their all their trouble? Yeah, I mean, I think they're definitely fortunate enough that they're able to register all those players even after kind of the tumultuous summer that they had I think certainly it's paying dividends now you know obviously being um still in the top races for La Liga which you know I think they always will be um having Lewandowski scoring what nine goals in six games so mm-hmm. <laughs> talk about someone having a of the form of his life and you know I think that is someone that I think will be perfect and it's going to be interesting for the game against Bayern obviously you know him coming back to the to the place where he's kind of made his name and then got the most success of his career. And, you know, he certainly knows more of the Bayern Munich players than anyone else on this Barcelona side. So yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how, how he goes by. But yeah, I think this Barcelona side, I think are now in a situation where they feel as if though, you know, that kind of the pressure's off in terms of the players that they needed to get. So I think, um, I think now it's to demonstrate that so far they've done, they've done it. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's time for them to, and boy, what a, what a big response it would be if they were to get a win over there in Munich against Bayern, yeah. that would be a huge response to not just them, but to the entire world to see that, you know, okay, maybe this team could do something. I, I don't think they, again, like I said, even before that, I don't think they are the, the clear favorite to win the Champions League, but they can certainly make a, make a dent in it and try to go far like they've done in previous years. Certainly, they're up there to challenge La Liga, as they've always been. But I think the fact that they were able to kind of solve these kind of issues that they've been having regarding the players and, and getting them registered, I think, is, is remarkable. And so 
I'm curious to see how it'll go. And I think, you know, looking at all the games that were happening uh, midweek, I mean, that's the one to circle. That's the one to watch out for. Yeah. Um, this this upcoming week no doubt no doubt and 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 just one more quick point on group c with inter milan um inter struggling out of the gates uh you know a last minute winner this week on the weekend here in the city uh obviously losing two nil at home um you know with simone and zaghi coming in from lazio this now being his second year and uh and not winning the scudetto last year getting knocked out early in the champions league last year and you know on the on a similar path um you know obviously they're gonna they're they're going to get healthy against Pilsen, you would think. But uh, but after that, you know, you're going to have to face uh, Barcelona. You're going to have to, you know, you've got Bayern. You've got Barca twice and you've got Bayern again. Um, do you feel like, and this might be a better question for Nima Tavale than anybody else, but do you feel that Simone Inzaghi is going to be on the hot seat here in the next uh, four to six weeks if this continues? <sighs> yeah, I mean, again, I, I think, again, we're still getting into the season and, and you know, and I say never say never, but hey, look at what Chelsea did. <laughs> so yeah. um, I just think that right now they're they're still in a position where they could still compete, mm-hmm. um, at least from a Serie A perspective. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think obviously the way that they've been playing has kind of been a bit frustrating, you would say, if you're an Inter fan. I think the Bayern Munich result, I think it was kind of expected. Of course, no one wants to lose at home at all, but when you're competing with someone that is miles ahead better, which Bayern are in, in comparison to Inter, I think it was expected. It's the games where you need to take on, you know, your Victoria Pilsons and, and then, hell, even if you're Barcelona, they play back-to-back uh, in the first few weeks of October, Joe, so mm-hmm. they definitely need to show that response if they really want to go into the um, into the knockout stage, or at worst, if they get knocked into the Europa, I think that kind of gives a bit more pressure to Inzaghi because I think that's a tournament where, you know, we have to see who makes it, obviously, in the later stages. But they have the talent, they have the team to do it and to win it. Um, but I, I don't know if he would be in the hot seat just yet. I think certainly it's kind of frustrating. But I'd say give it a few more weeks. If they're still in a position where they're kind of a bit far off in the league, and the Champions League is not exactly in the position that they want to be in, and that is obviously competing to get out of the group, then I think, yeah, I think now you start to, to heat up that um, that seat over there at the at the San Siro. Yeah, currently, you know, at the time of recording, sitting fourth in the, in the Serie A. Um, again, probably something that we should send a message out to Nima Tavale, ask him his opinion, and maybe report back next week on the show what his thoughts are for, for that discussion. So... Let's let's table the Champions League discussion and move on to Chelsea Football Club as the drama just ramped all the way up this week with the sacking of Thomas Tuchel. We were lucky to get uh, Theo Cardi from the um, from the uh, oh my goodness I always mess up this name from the sh- from the Shed End podcast um, who joined us and uh, and was able to discuss you know Thomas Tuchel Chelsea how things were going to move forward um, and what his thoughts were so. Without further ado, the Theo Cardi interview. And joining us now on Low Limit Football from the from the Shed End podcast, Theo Cardi. Theo, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on. I want to open up because um, obviously your background and, and familiarity with Chelsea Football Club. Uh, I want to start with the sacking of Thomas Tuchel this week. Um, you know, came as a little bit of a surprise, but not to some, not entirely. Uh, what are your thoughts on them sacking Tuchel and uh, the hiring of uh, Graham Potter? 
Yeah, it was it was it was a it was unexpected, an unexpected second, um, but not unexpected at the same time as well. If you look back to to some of the results from previous season, um it, it, it was on the cards. It was on the cards with Thomas Tuchel. We were still winning games, but I think it was more to do with the performances and, and the way that we were playing as a team um, that potentially was a, a massive um, issue, not just for the for, for the manager, but eventually for the owners as well. Um, but it, it was a shock because off the back of a, um, you know, winning the Champions League, winning the the club world cup which is the elusive trophy as chelsea fans that we've been we've been, you know dying to get our hands on and the super cup as well two finals in the carabao cup and the fa cup final losing unfortunately to liverpool on penalties but to still have that success in the season and to still lose your job it, it is the chelsea thing to to lose your job off the back of a, a successful um a, you know a successful campaign if you want to call it that under under the circumstances with Roman, Roman Abramovich and the sanctions and, and everything else so um, a, a shock but another shock was how quick we got Graham Potter into the hot seat as well because um, which tells me that Todd Bowley potentially had an inkling or an indication or a plan that he, you know if things weren't to go right with Thomas Tuchel Graham Potter would be the man that he would go to. So um, I'm excited to see what Graham Potter can offer because I think he's um, he's done very well uh, under some of the clubs that he's managed previously, and uh, he looks like he looks like he needs to step up to the next level. You know, no no disrespect to Brighton or any Brighton fans, but you know, stepping up from a team where your expectations potentially is you know mid table or you know trying push into those European places at, at best. He's now at a club where the expectation is to win the Champions League or to win the Premier League. It's, it's a massive step up for him. So, interested to see how that one's going to to pan out for Graham Potter. I guess to really just go in and talk about that, um, I think, you know, certainly with this manager like Graham Potter, I think he's definitely overachieved a lot at Brighton. You know, I think they finished, what, seven or eighth last season. So, they were just right around there, uh, nearing the European spots. But, you know, I just wanted to ask, you know, what do you expect from this Chelsea side now under Graham Potter? I mean, obviously, I think it kind of fits the style of these players in terms of what he wants to get tactically. But just, you know, looking forward, obviously, you know, they're still in this campaign in the Premier League, uh, like five points behind top place Arsenal. So certainly still a race in that sense. And obviously still got to compete in the Champions League and obviously bounce back from that defeat in Croatia a couple of days ago. But just... What do you expect now from this Chelsea side moving forward under Graham Potter? I think it's, um, it, I mean, it's going to be, it's still going to be a challenging season. I don't think that the, the dynamic of what we expect to get out of the season have changed. I think you still look at the other teams, Spurs, um, Arsenal, Liverpool, Man City, Manchester United. They've all improved their squads in in really good places that they needed to in terms of depth and uh, the quality that they've added to their team. So I think it's still more of the same. I think what we potentially will see, and you made a good point, Roberto, in terms of the signings that we've made, um, three out of maybe five of them have played in the Premier League already in terms of Wesley Fofana, Marco Correa and uh, Raheem Sterling. So Graham Potter's got a good crop of players to work with. Um, Again, no disrespect to Bayern fans, but the, the level of quality potentially that he'll find at Chelsea's completely different to what he's probably worked with and done really well with at Brighton. So I'm expecting um, tactically not much more to, I mean, tactically we don't know. I mean, they're very similar teams in terms of Chelsea and Brighton. So I expect more of the same. Um, 
but we need we need to get the the, the best out of the players that we've signed. You know, the the Kulabalis and um, you know the the youngsters as well. Some of the youngsters that we've signed in Amari Hutchinson and and Chukwemeka, who who's been signed from Aston Villa. Um, Graham Potter's done well previously with younger, you know, the youth development um, at Brighton and other clubs as well. I think at Swansea is another club to mention. But I think we we need to try and definitely retain top four this season. I think that's got to be a given in terms of what we need out of the season. And as far as we can go into the Champions League, which is never easy, as we, we, we know as football fans, it's never easy to get to the final and then go on to win that. So I think for part of this season, it's not a case of, you know, trying to do too much. It's settling the ship, which seems to be a bit unrocky and un- uneven at the moment. And um, reassuring the players, I think that's the key thing. You've got to reassure some of these players. I've just signed Patrick Bamiang, who ideally was, you know, Thomas Tuchel's almost, you know, second child almost. You know, he he, he loved him. So he's got to get the best out of those players, I think, as well. And, and just reassure the, the new signings that they are still, you know, have a part to play at Chelsea. Now, moving forward, um, you know, obviously, Graham Potter comes in with no European experience, where Thomas Tuchel is quite the opposite of that. Uh, also, uh, you know, Graham Potter, from what I can find in my research of him and, and watching Brighton this year, uh, tends to prefer a 3-5-2 formation, where Tuchel was more of a 4-3-3. How does this team change uh, formation? Does does the 3-5-2 that Potter might want to bring in, does that fit the, uh, the current uh, personnel that are at uh, Chelsea at the moment? I think it does. I think, you know, um, one of the criticisms, one of few criticisms of Thomas Tuchel was that he didn't necessarily potentially know his best 11. And I think um, this is probably the best time for Graham Potter to to utilise the squad and, and see what is the best formation, what are the best tactics for this club going forward? Because um, we do have a catalogue of good players who can play in multiple positions. You know, we've spoken about um, Aspi Aqueta or Reese James who can both play right centre-back. Marco Correa can also play left centre-back as well. So I think the the depth is definitely there. We're able to to, to utilise the squad as best as we can. And, and the same for midfield and going forward as well. You know, I'd love to see Kai Havertz maybe in a 10 role, more, more so than that false nine that he's been playing as well. Now with Patrick Aubameyang at the squad as well. So I think there's a lot that Graham Potter has to his disposal to be able to get the best out of this squad. But if it's a 3-5-2, 4-3-3, whatever it is, I think, you know... Um, is something Graham Potter needs to sit down and, and thankfully he's had a bit more time. You know, we, we should have been playing very early um, as we record this. We should have been playing early um, today. So I think we, um, he said he's got that time now to, to just maybe give, get a few more training sessions in with the squad and just understand what he needs to do to get the best out of the, the team, especially for the next game as well. Now, now American fans here will wonder what, <clears throat> what the status of Christian Pulisic will be in this one. Obviously he did not, feature under Tuchel nearly as much as the American Premier League fan would want to want to see. Um, and, and and Pulisic, you know, would traditionally be better suited on the left side in a 4-3-3 as opposed to a 3-5-2, which would make him a wing back. Um, so your thoughts on, on Pulisic is, I know he was trying for a move out of Chelsea before the start of the season. That's obviously come and gone. But in the winter window, could you see uh, Chelsea moving Christian Pulisic uh, because of um, the change to Graham Potter? Um, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. I don't think anyone, I, I mean, I wouldn't want to see anyone leave the squad because I, I think 
you know, Christian Pulisic is a brilliant player. And we've, we've seen glimpses of it, um, sometimes down to injury or because Thomas Tuchel just hasn't selected him. But I think there's there's a player in there. And I think sometimes it, it just takes a new manager to come in, give a new lease of life and give give a player just that confidence that he potentially needs. Um, and I think Christian Pulisic, you know, the same for, for, for other players that have left as well. But I think for Pulisic, I'd like, like to see him stay. Um, as I said, I think with the squad that we have, we have the opportunity now to to not just play a set formation. And, and I, I do believe that Christian Pulisic will get game time under Graham Potter. I think he's, um, you know, he's proven it under under two managers now that he's 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 worthy of a, a chance at least to, to play, you know, some part of this season. So, um, I, I mean, me personally, I like Christian Pulisic. He's, he's someone that um, provides a lot to the game when, when he comes on or if he starts the games as well. Um, and, and I agree with you, you know, playing him from the left side. The problem is that obviously we have Raheem Sterling who also plays in that that role as well. So I think it's healthy competition for the two players. But Ideally, I think if we can keep the squad um, together as it is and um, Potter, Graham Potter just needs to, as I said, you know, get the best out of this team. But Christian Pulisic shouldn't go anywhere. I think he's a he's an outstanding player and he needs to he needs to stay and, and just work hard. You know, I think work hard and prove to the manager that he should be starting games. This is everyone's, you know, new chance, a fresh blank canvas for everyone to go into a, in, into the team and, and prove that they should be starting. No, certainly. I, I agree with that. Now, Chelsea's gain was Brighton's loss. So what does this mean now for Brighton now that Graham Potter's moved on from there? Uh, you know, there was a there was a struggle for Brighton to get him from from Swansea where they ultimately paid. I believe it's three million pounds uh, to get uh, him from Swansea. What does this mean now for Brighton now? Where do they look next? Well, um, in England, they're, they're talking about uh, Maurizio Pochettino, which I mean, if they can get him, I think it's a a steal you know he's a, he's a brilliant manager we see what he did at Tottenham but before that what he did at Southampton was even more amazing mm-hmm. in my opinion so I think if they can get Potticino then that's a, a brilliant brilliant manager that they'll have but um, the problem with Brighton and I've always said this is they play some brilliant football um, and I think they've kind of um, they've sort of eradicated this issue now but I think they play brilliant football but they just don't score enough goals and you know that's been one of their issues so I think they, they should be okay um, in terms of survival in the Premier League and you know I don't see them as a relegation candidate at all but I, I think they have to be wise because I think very much like Leicester if I can use them as an example you know they're always above and beyond what they should be and I feel like Brighton are the very similar you know very good football well-organized team they just don't score the goals and I think a lot of that was down to the way that Graham Potter had them playing so whoever comes in has to be very similar to Potter in terms of um, you know tactics or formation or the style of play there has to be someone who's on that level if not better to do that but um it's it's hard it must be heartbreaking as a brighton fan because you've lost someone um and and brighton the board said they wouldn't stand in you know graham potter's way if chelsea came to approach him so you do feel hard done by if you're a brighton fan because you've lost someone who is potentially the spine of your team you know throughout on and off the field um so it must be hard for them but i think if they can get a replacement in that's just as good as graham potter they, they should be fine this season brilliant stuff mate before we let you go where can everyone find your work so yeah um well first of all let me say thank you for having me on as well because i've appreciated the uh the time is good to you know, speak to you guys as well. But um, you can find um, the Chelsea channel that myself and another Theo, 
surprisingly the two theos um we do a podcast so we we're on spotify apple podcast search from the shed end our social accounts is at from the shed end on facebook twitter and instagram as well so you should be able to find us on all there we've got loads of content and also youtube as well so make sure you subscribe to the youtube channel as well from the shed end to search for us we should be there great stuff again theo thank for thank you for joining us on the show um absolute pleasure and we look forward to having you again very very soon my friend no problem thanks roberto thanks joe thanks and special thanks again to Theo for joining us on the show. Roberto, we have a great list of matches this week, obviously going into week two of Champions League. So let me give it to you because there's plenty to talk about here. Tuesday, 3 p.m., uh, the aforementioned Bayern Munich-Barcelona matchup uh, in in Munich, uh, 3 p.m. Uh, Eastern on Tuesday. We also have at the same time Bayer Leverkusen and Atletico Madrid. Atleti coming off of that thrilling uh, victory um, you know, in the, in the week one of the Champions League. That match is also 3 p.m. And then we're going to close out with, um, with, with uh, I'm sorry, MLS with Minnesota United and LAFC. LAFC losing on the weekend to Dallas. So uh, they're, they're really letting that uh, Supporter Shield trophy slip away from them. They're going to have to hold serve against Minnesota United at 8 p.m. on Tuesday night. On Wednesday, we have a, a duel of matches at 3 p.m. First, Manchester City Dortmund. And Real Madrid, RB Leipzig, both matches at 3 p.m. On Thursday, we're going to give you a Europa League match. Uh, the darlings from last year's Champions League, Sheriff Tiraspol, will host Manchester United at 12.45 p.m. That's in the Europa League. Then on Saturday, we go to Germany with Borussia Mönchengladbach and RB Leipzig uh, facing off at 12.30 p.m. And then, Roberto, this is where these leagues need to get together and do some scheduling planning because this is ridiculous. Sunday, uh, provided that the match is not canceled, we will kick off the day with Chelsea Liverpool at 11.30 a.m. We will then head over to France or Italy, depending on which way you want to go. Lyon PSG at 2.45 p.m. and Milan Napoli also at 2.45 p.m. And then if that's not good enough, take uh, 15 minutes off. Head over to Spain because the Madrid Derby is on at 3 p.m. Atleti host Real Madrid um, again, Roberto, something that uh, these guys should really get together and kind of have a chat as to, you know, when you're scheduling matches so that we can actually watch them. But those are your matches of the week, my friend. You gave us a great trivia question earlier in the show. Would you mind laying it on us again? Absolutely. So Erling Holland leads the way with the highest goal to appearance ratio at 1.25, thanks to his 25 goals in 20 appearances. A remarkable achievement mm -hmm. for someone that only just played in the Champions League, I think, like two, three years ago. Um, yeah. <laughs> having said that, uh, obviously a lot of great players are on this kind of top goal score list. But who is the next active one with the highest goal to appearance ratio? You know, and I wrote down Kylian Mbappe's name. And and after all the talk of Robert Lewandowski, I, I, I want to change my mind. But I'm going to stick to my guns because Mbappe did so well when he was at Monaco in the Champions League. And then moving over and really facilitated his move to PSG. I'm going to go with Kylian Mbappe. With 35 goals and 54 appearances, he has a ratio of 0 0.65, but he is fourth on oh. the list of active players is, so it, far. Is it Lewandowski? It is. With yeah. 89 goals and 107 appearances, his ratio is 0 0.823. Oh, my gut. Uh, I hate my gut. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, but that's a great, great trivia question. Um, and, and just goes to show you the the quality of goal scorers that are in the Champions League right now that we're, we're blessed with. So um, without anything left on the list here, my friend, let's hit the closing music. Let's do it. All right, here we go. 
So, for episode 367 of Low Limit Football, special thanks again to Theo Cardi for joining us on the show. Next week, we'll look back at week two of the Champions League. We will look at possibly the Graham Potter um, reign uh, or, uh, you know, series as he starts off at Chelsea and uh, and see how they perform both in the Champions League and back home in the Premier League. We'll also give you all the action from around the league as well. So for episode 367 of Low Limit Football, I'm Joe Ucello. I'm Roberto Rojas. Thanks for listening, everyone, and good night.